Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Martin's Barbecue downtown. Touchdown, Titans! This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. With your host, Jason Martin, senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, and former Titans pro bowler, Mark Mariani. From the official station of the Titans, 104.5 The Zone. The run-up to yesterday's clash in Buffalo between the one-win Bills and the three-win Titans was largely about respect in that those outside of Nashville weren't giving it to the Titans, and the team believed they deserved it. They had beaten the Texans. They had beaten the Jaguars. And most recently, they had beaten the defending champion Eagles. They did it with their starting quarterback banged up, feeling the effects of an elbow and ulnar nerve issue. They sometimes did it without both their starting tackles. They did it without their stud tight end, but they did it, and that was the point. They were 3-1, and one, and Buffalo is a subpar football team. So you go up north, you enter their building, and you crush them, or at least you play well and you handle business. Then you return to Nashville for a big game against the Baltimore Ravens the following week that could put you 5-1. and one. Or, alternately, unfortunately, you allow what you can't allow. The dreaded trap game rears its ugly head as you don't score a single touchdown. You let a very shaky rookie quarterback beat you on a day where they didn't play well either. The word for Bills Titans might be ugly, but I'm going to go with a different word, a different adjective, deflating. That's what this was. This is the NFL. You show up or you get beaten. The Titans had slogans. They talked about having a chip on their shoulder. But once the game started, it was just one of those days. Fans in the Music City and elsewhere hoped were things of the past. Now you're 3-2 and two with a Ravens team that just lost to the Browns in overtime yesterday next, and then a pretty good Chargers team in London the following week before the bye. The season may have reached its turning point, and that's where we begin. Welcome in Monday Night Titans presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Joined as always by TitansOnline.com editor and senior writer Jim Wyatt, former Titans pro bowler Mark Mariani. I am Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us here on a different feel than it's been the last few weeks, Jim, as the Titans just went up there and laid the egg that they tried their best to say they would not lay. Yeah, I mean, Mike Vrabel talked about it all during the course of the week. This is what you can't afford to do, and that's uh, turn the ball over early, which is what the Vikings did to lose uh, to the Bills, and you just can't come out flat. I don't know if the team came out flat, but when you're turning the ball over, fumbling on the first possession, throwing interceptions, driving passes, you make it very difficult uh, on yourself. And, uh, you know, everything that Mike Vrabel preached to his team about not doing happened. And uh, you hope it's not a turning point game. I mean, you hope it's a game that you look back and say, this is a big and best opportunity. But you can't help but think, you know, losing games to AFC double trouble because you start looking at uh, tie-breaking scenarios when you get to December. So Titans have got to find a way to bounce back because, as you mentioned, 
the schedule gets tougher now and uh, and let one get away from you in Orchard Park. Yeah, it was it was just a tough day. It was and it you know Mark, I felt like I bought in because I thought Vrabel's not Malarkey, Vrabel is not Munchak. No. He knows what a trap game looks like. He knows what a trap game feels like. He played pretty much his entire career on a team that didn't let those kinds of things get them very often. And then the Titans just showed up and just forgot to get off the airplane in New York. Yeah, and I think one of the, the biggest disappointment for me and for Titans fans was that we, we let our expectations go through the roof. And, you know, for me, I, I watched it all week. I watched the talk. We knew what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, and we, we, just like Jim said, we, we came out flat. And you were right. I, I bought in as well. Um, I, I, I firmly believed that we were going to go up to Buffalo and get a 10-point-plus victory and, and establish the run game and throw the ball. Our offense was going to start clicking. Our defense you know, was going to do their thing and make plays. Um, and and, and the, fl- the script flipped on us, and we go out and we f- play into their hands. We play down. We turn the ball over early. We let them get an early lead, and we let them take over the ground game, control the line of scrimmage, control the running game, eat the clock, and end up grinding it out and beating us on the last second. I mean, it was all bad. There's, there's, it's tough to sugarcoat this one. Um, all I can say, the only promising thing, the only optimism here is we're in week five. We have 12 weeks to go, and um, there's a lot more football left to be played. And I'll say this about the respect talk, and it's, it's not like this was running rampant in the Titans locker room that, uh, you know, hey, we're not getting respect. Look at us, look at us. Taylor Wine said something about it after the Eagles game, but not a lot of players were backing him up on it. But I hate that talk, especially after week four, because you do that, and then you come back and lose to Buffalo. You're just kind of embarrassing yourself. Go out and win games. I don't care about the power rankings in October. I don't care about whether you're getting respect. You know, Mark knows how it is around here. I mean, I, I yeah. remember days, you know, 2002-2003 season when the Titans were winning a lot of games. Not a lot, a lot of guys were getting Pro Bowl recognition. And there was always chatter about you don't get enough respect or enough in the conversation enough. None of that stuff matters. I mean, no. you've got to go out and play. And so uh, Mike Vrabel tried to quash some of that stuff at the end of the week. Uh, and, and I would hope guys police themselves moving forward. I don't care what happens from here on out. Forget the respect. Go out and win games because if you lose to Buffalo, which is what happened on Sunday, it's, uh, you know, it, it means nothing. Yeah, you know, that's what I said last week. I'll use the same terminology that I used on the show in this chair last week. I said you go to Buffalo and you beat the brakes off the Bills. That's how you show you're for real. What I didn't necessarily expect all week long was the narrative to turn, at least for a few inside the locker room, to being Rodney Dangerfield and playing this no-respect card and going after Kyle Brandt and what he had to say about Nashville on the NFL Network. Just like you don't give yourself a nickname, you don't ask for respect. You simply go out and you earn respect. Everybody in the national media yesterday was watching a little bit closer to the Tennessee Titans yesterday to see if you were legit. And look, you may still be. It is a wide-open NFL. The one thing that we know is outside of the Rams and the Chiefs, I don't know who's good, and maybe we'll talk about that before the end of the show. This was one game, but it was a bad game. So this week, to me, and you can speak to this, Mark, is it needs to be about humility. It needs to be about quiet confidence. If you are good, let other people tell you. Coming out and doing it yourself doesn't help 
when you do what you did yesterday in Buffalo because all you did was just reset the plot line that a few of you complained about last week instead of just going up, handling your business, playing football, and then letting the acclaim follow the record. Well, and to go into a little bit of X's and O's too, when you win football games, um, some of that stuff, some of those X's and O's, some of those weaknesses, they just sort of get pushed under the rug a little bit. Um, you, you talk about not having a very good run game. You talk about the offense not clicking on all cylinders. You're worried about the injuries. You're worried about, you know, who, who's going to be there, who's going to make plays, are the young guys playing hard enough, all that stuff. But you're winning football games. Yeah. So now you go in and you lay an egg, for lack of a better term, and now those things get magnified. Now you look back and go, well, we didn't run the ball that well. Oh, yeah, we didn't really run the ball that well the last few weeks either. Oh, yeah, our offense finally started clicking a little bit against Philadelphia, but now we didn't build on that at all. And for a, young, for a, for a new offense, I'm mostly speaking offense when I'm talking right now, but for a new offense, I wanted to see take one, one foot and put it in front of the other. We, we improved last week. We were going in against the defense we thought we could get our way with, and we needed, to, we needed to put those pieces together. We had all of our weapons. We had all of our line healthy, supposedly. We had Marcus back, and he threw a few great balls yesterday. Our receiving core was out making plays. And instead of taking a couple steps forward and proving what we can do and proving what we have, I felt like we took multiple steps back, and now there's even more question marks. Here's a question I want to ask right off the jump. I've heard two different stories about Mariota's health. I've heard one that says this injury, this ulnar nerve, is basically a roller coaster where there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Clearly there was an up against Philadelphia, even though that's a porous secondary that we saw get abused again yesterday by Kirk Cousins and the talent on that Minnesota offense. And then yesterday seemed to be down. He didn't look like the same player. I've heard that side of it, and I've also heard it's not good, and then once it's good, it's good. So what is true and what is a... What's rational here to say about Mariota's health? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I've, I've covered the Titans for a long time. It's the first time I've ever, ever can remember somebody having this issue. Steve McNair covered him throughout his career. He had about every injury imaginable. He never had an ulnar nerve issue. Uh, I, I've seen speculation out there about it and, and heard talk that once you clear a hurdle, you're good. I've also talked to somebody who said, hey, I've, I've had this injury before. And, uh, you know, just out of bad luck, once you get hit in that area one time, it just never seems to fail. You get hit there again, and it starts all over again. So you hope it's behind them. And I don't think yesterday's performance and the lack of a passing game like it was in Philadelphia is a result of, uh, of the injury. Uh, you know, he's, guys have got to catch the football. I mean, yeah, that's that part help. of it. Well, and uh, and he threw a great pass uh, to Nick Williams. The ball is not caught. It was just a different kind of game plan. And, uh, you know, I'd watch him practice. I didn't get the sense he had a flare-up whether he was on a roller coaster. And also, you know, he's the quarterback of our franchise, so he's going to take a lot of blame, and he'll stand on the podium, and Marcus Mariota will, will stand up there and take the blame. But when, when, when I took a step back and watched it, I felt like there was more to it. He never looked comfortable. We lost the line of scrimmage. Back, he, was, yes. he was always running back there. Uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like he steps back in the pocket and feels safe uh whether it's the rush or whether it's the blitz or whether it's he doesn't feel comfortable with the timing on some throws i'll tell you this i'd love to get the inside scoop on that 
interception he threw because it did not, it did not look like he and Nick Williams were on the same page no, at all. No. So you got a quarterback standing back there that's a, got a couple little injuries that are in the back of his head. Now the O-line's shaky. Now my left tackle went out. Now we're losing the line of scrimmage. And to, to you know, put the icing on the cake, I don't know if my timing's good today with my wide receivers. Corey Davis slips coming out of a break, and I throw it into the ground. Now it, all these things compiled. It's like, well, there goes your passing game. And, and like I said in my previous statement, it was hard and it was disappointing to see that because I thought we took a few steps forward. Now it's just back to the drawing board. Yeah, that, that may be true. Anything that we're going to get to as we continue to talk about Mariota and the offense, we're going to take longer than it needs to before we get to our first break. So let's take our first break of the show. We'll come back. We'll continue to break down the offensive side of the football, and then we'll look at some of the stats from yesterday's game again. The problem, the biggest issue to me was you lost on a day when Buffalo tried to give it to you over and over and over again, and they're not a good football team, and you weren't able to, to get a win that you should and you could have gotten. We'll be right back. Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, 104.5 The Zone. with us Monday Night Titans every Monday here presented by Geico part of the big six here on 104.5 The Zone we are live from Martin's Barbecue which is just the most wonderful of hosts and the food continues to be eaten during the break from late arriving Mark Mariani mmm that <laughs> smoked turkey so good it is every single week so Marcus yesterday's stats were 14 for 26 for 129 and a pick Nick Williams dropped the touchdown we are about to discuss the interception play in a little bit more detail here in just a second. He lofted one on third down, did Marcus under pressure. He's lucky that was not intercepted and ended that red zone streak. I think one of the biggest things that I noticed, and, and I don't really know the reason for this, I know the offensive line was certainly a little bit of a problem yesterday to say the least, but doesn't it feel like, Jim, Marcus Mariota is better when he's allowed to run sprinkled in throughout a game as opposed to he only got two carries. They were both in the second half. seems like when you let him kind of get out of the pocket and get moving, he seems to sort of fall into the rhythm better, and they just did not use him in that way yesterday. Yeah, and I think some of the credit goes to Buffalo there because there were several times where I noticed he looked like he was going to take off, and Buffalo seemed to always have somebody there waiting for him, almost like a spy was used to keep him from doing what he did against the Eagles, what he did against Jacksonville in that game. Uh, and I think when he does that, it opens things up in the passing game a little bit more. And Buffalo just wasn't going to have anything of it on Sunday. Yeah, they, they were good. They're, they're a little bit of a scrappy defense. They were physical, especially up front against the Titans' offensive line. Once Lawan went down, it became more problematic. But let's go back to the route. Let's talk to our wide receiver, of course, Jim Wyatt. To my right, if you're here at Martin's Barbecue, he's to my left, I guess. And Mark Mariani is to my right, former Titans Pro Bowler. The Nick Williams play, not the drop touchdown. We know what happened there. Nick Williams dropped a touchdown. And probably dropped a game winner because you don't think Buffalo is probably going to go back and score if you score the full six and get the extra point there. But on the interception play, what did you see? Well, I just, I just thought there's more to it because I'm watching Nick Williams. He doesn't get a good burst off the ball. He looks back at Marcus twice before the ball is thrown, doesn't see it in the air, and doesn't cross the DB's face. So obviously I'm not in those rooms, and I don't know what's being said, but I think it was either a missed assignment or a wrong route or a hot adjustment 
that wasn't uh, executed properly. I just looked back at the play. There was no one, but there was nobody blitzing. So as a slot receiver, you sometimes have protection responsibilities. If you if there's too many guys coming, especially off you, you may have to adjust your route. It's called being hot. There wasn't any of that. It was a four down blitz. So I'm wondering what Nick Williams is looking at. What is the uncertainty? Are they not on the same page? What's going on? You see Johnny Smith runs a one-step slant on the other side. Maybe Nick's was supposed to be a one-step slant or something. Obviously, Marcus thought he was coming inside. I just think there was more to it than a bad route and a bad throw. Obviously, no excuses. Something happened. But to put it on Marcus is tough for me. I just know that you just got to be better. You got to be on the same page. And they just weren't. Uh, whatever the case may be, at the snap of the ball, Nick looked back at him twice and, and, and ran a half you know, half-speed route for some reason doesn't cross the DB's face. Those are simple things. There was just more to it than that. And, of course, Marcus gets the interception in the stat sheet. So, Yeah, it was a tough day for Nick Williams. Uh, he had a good return. He had a really good return. I think it's 38 yards on a return. But, of course, he dropped the touchdown, or what would have been a touchdown. And then he, I think he may have been more responsible than Marcus was when you go back and look at the route that he ran and the effort that he didn't make to come back and at least try to break up the play after the fact, how is his tenure going to end with the Titans? I guess is a question that is fair to ask today. Well, I mean, I know Mike Vrabel's asked about the receiving core. Are they good enough on the back end? Obviously, the question was referenced not only the Nick Williams drop, but the Darius Jennings drop right. uh, the week before. And it's a fair question. I mean, uh, how things go from here, I, mean, I know the team has, uh, you know, a receiver on the practice squad that's an option. There's some players out there. People ask me all the time about Des Bryant and, and what's available on the market. I mean, the thing is, if guys are not signing on a roster right now, there's, there's probably a reason. And it's, you're kind of in a fantasy world if you think you're going to be able to sign a guy on a Tuesday or Wednesday, he's all of a sudden going to come in and catch six passes for 115 yards on Sunday. It takes a while uh, for guys to get on the same page. That's some of the problem with this receiving core now is all these guys are young. They don't have a lot of experience with uh, Marcus Mariota. Corey Davis, a second-year guy. Taewon Taylor, a second-year guy. Tajay Sharp, for all intents and purposes, a second-year guy because he was on IR. Hasn't had a lot of time with Jennings or Williams. So, uh, you know, the, the question, how will things end for Nick Williams? I mean, John Robbins has not been a knee-jerk decision type of guy. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But, uh, you know, certainly... It's something that's probably up for discussion. How they, how the, where the team goes from here. Well, and don't forget, it's it's not just on the same page with Marcus and and their and their you know time spent working together. It's also a new offense sure. with, with new with new terminology, new verbiage, uh, a first time play caller. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of little things um, that sort of just continue to keep jabbing at you, and after a while, that takes its toll. Uh, and so maybe it's you know the timing with Marcus, but. Maybe there's just a lot. There's just a little bit of the new um, implementation of the offense going on as well. Yeah, well, we, we talked about that after the Miami game, or maybe even after the Houston game, when the offense still didn't look very good at all, especially the pass game, and suggested that it was said that watching the Rams, it was going to take half a season for that offense to actually make sense to the guys on the field, not even the guys watching it. So it was not the simplest of offenses, and it would take some time to gel. And maybe we are seeing some of the growing pains of not being able to gel now, although drops ain't gelling. Drops is just drops, whether it's Nick Williams, whether it's John U. Smith, whether it's Darius Jennings, 
whoever it is, like, that can't happen. Like, the, the, I think Pro Football Focus after the Eagles game rated the Titans wide receivers 24th in the league. I would like to know where they stand after yesterday's game because I would imagine they dropped about three or four spots. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great day. And, uh, you know, the Nick, you know, the Nick Williams question, I mean, every time I've tweeted something out today, it's always been greeted with, oh, is Nick Williams still on the team? Yeah. Or is Nick Williams, he's the reason the team lost the game. He's not the reason the no. Titans lost the game. It was a bad drop. He picked a bad day to have a bad day. But Deion Lewis guilty of turning the ball over the fumble. Taewon Taylor lost in the early Didn't you fumble. feel like after Taewon fumbled, it was just like, it's just, yeah, this it's just is a not going to be a good day. But, but then you get the lead late, and your defense has got to get a stop. I mean, you take the lead at 12 to 10. Your defense has got to get off the field. Missed too many tackles, allowed Buffalo to drive it down the field. It's easy to say, you know, hey, if, if Nick Williams catches that ball for a touchdown, the Titans win it. Uh, but defense wasn't stopping anybody going down the field. Who knows what would have happened on Sunday. So there's enough blame to be spread around. It wasn't just Nick Williams uh, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, Vrabel said they missed 14 tackles and four Yesterday, on one play. Yeah. Four on yeah. one play. That's, uh, that, that is tough to say the least. I want to talk about the defense, but I want a little bit more time to do it. So we will stay with the offense and say something really positive right now. Ryan Succo, <laughs> now the most accurate kicker in Tennessee Titans history. Nine of ten this season for field goals. He goes for 50 and ties his career high with 54 yesterday in Buffalo. There are so many teams that would kill to have as consistent a kicker as Ryan Suckup has been. This was a dude that was drafted Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft and has been nothing but Mr. Consistent in a lot of respects. He played well, and Brett Kern continues to play really well also. And I think you hit it on the head, Jay Mart, is, is that we take, it, we take it for granted here. We just watch um, Ryan and, and Brett Kern and Bo Brinkley trot out onto the field perfect snap, perfect hold, perfect, you know, right down the center. It's like, you know, that's sort of the play that you can have full confidence in. Yeah, like if you but, do your job, you don't even think about it, and they yeah. just go out there and do it routinely, and the only time you ever talk about place kickers is when they're about to be fired yeah. because <laughs> of what Mason well, Crosby did yesterday, for example. And I've watched, I've been watching a ton of football, this ton of NFL this season, and you hit it on the head, how many teams around the league yeah. would love that, that, that position to be stabilized. But, I mean, I think I say it every week, and I'll, com- I'll continue to beat it down. This, th- these, those specialists are massive weapons for this team, and it is so good to have those guys in your room. I, I would never undervalue them. They are, they are playing as well at their positions as anybody around the league. Coffin corner Brett Kern just continues to hit punts 63 yards yep. when, we, when, we need, when we were backed up and needed field position. Suck up. We haven't had a bad snap from Bo Brinkley in probably, what, seven years? Yep. I mean, it, it, it's pretty fascinating. I got a lot of respect for those guys as teammates, as friends, but their performance this year is, is continuing to be on a whole other level. I mean, they've been really good. I mean, Suck up, I think, is 83% for his career. And he's kicked a, a lot of his problems, obviously, have been 50 and beyond, like every other kicker in the history of the NFL. But you get a guy that goes up there, you're not supposed to win. With field goals alone, you've got to get touchdowns, and this team has not gotten enough of them this season. I think they have five touchdowns on the entire year. But you almost got to win because Ryan Suckup went out and did his job four times. Yeah, I mean, you can just about count on him to make it for you. He's been clutch. He's been, you know, been steady. You know, he's shown off the leg strength you know, even, if he, even as he gets older. So the Titans have some great weapons you know, on special teams, especially in the kicking game. But uh, 
you'd like to see less of them. I mean, you'd like to see sure. Ryan Suckup kicking extra points instead yeah. of field goals. He's six of six on extra points, yeah. I think. So maybe it's six touchdowns. Well, and, and just just a, a little bit more positivity. Um, Darius Jennings had a pretty decent return, made a few guys miss, and then the Nick Williams return set us up for our only red red zone trip of the day. So I was trying to be positive, but then <laughs> let's let's take a break. <laughs> I went back, but a huge return, huge putt return sets us up in the red zone. Uh, didn't capitalize, unfortunately. Anyways, but special teams are still playing great. I mean, kudos to them. Yeah, they they absolutely are. When we come back. On the other side of the break here on Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, live from Martin's Barbecue downtown. Come up and see us if you're here and get some of the great food. I looked and really deep-dived into the defense this afternoon, and I found some pretty amazing stats. I'll share those with you next. Monday Night Titans, 104.5 The Zone. Presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Joined by TitansOnline.com editor and senior writer Jim Wyatt. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Sports. Former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani is at MarkMariani80. I am Jason Martin, host of the Big Six every day, 6 p.m. here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm on Twitter at JMartZone. So I really looked into the defense today. They didn't get a whole lot of help yesterday. They gave up 13 points. When you really look at it, 10 of those were on short fields due to turnovers. They were a step or two below what we've seen from them as of late, though. Josh Allen didn't throw for 100 yards, so the pass game's not much of a threat. The Titans just couldn't stop the run as often as they needed to. Now, they did well until the end on third downs. Buffalo was just 4 of 13. At one point, I think, Jim, they were 2 for 11. They were 2 for 3 on fourth downs, with the third being that whatever that decision to not kick the field goal was, by Sean McDermott, that was just, I don't, that was baffling. That was almost as baffling as what Bill O'Brien called on fourth and goal last night right at the end of the half with Deshaun Watson and shotgun needing three inches to get into the end zone. You don't have Wesley Woodyard yesterday. He is big in terms of your run defense. And it was felt early, and it was felt often. Deshaun McCoy has 24 carries for 85 yards. That's not gigantic. It's decent. He's over 100 with all his receiving added in. Ivory ran with power, but he was 14 carries for 43 yards. The Bills ran it 43 times yesterday for 144 yards and a touchdown, which is 3.35 yards a carry. That'll get you a first down if you do it every time, but that's not great. But I looked at overall stats. The Titans are ninth in the NFL in yards allowed, top 10. Fourth in points given up at 17.2, top 5. Seventh in yards per game surrendered at 333.2, top seven. Fifth in passing yards given up. And then we get to it. The Tennessee Titans in 2018 are 26th in the NFL in rush defense, giving up 123 yards per game. They were fourth last year. They were second the year before that, giving up 88 both those years. They gave up 1,420 yards total on the ground last year. In five games this year, they've given up 616. Almost half of what they gave up all year last year with 11 games left. I don't know what to say about it, but I I will ask one question in defense of that statistic for the Titans, and that is the quarterbacks that you've played so far are Josh Allen, Blake Bortles, Deshaun Watson with no offensive line in his second game back after his bad injury, and up and down Ryan Tannehill, and Carson Wentz who played pretty well. Is it more that people are running more because these quarterbacks aren't nearly as much a threat? 
or is it just that the Titans aren't finishing when it comes to some of these running plays? I, mean, I think it's both. I mean, I think the run game has got to improve. I mean, that's one thing that guys have preached. They've got to get better than here, got to get better there. I mean, those numbers you're rolled off. You know, defenses bailed this offense out a lot of Sundays, a lot of times already this season. And, and certainly across the board, it's good. I mean, you don't give a touchdown for an, in another game. But uh, I keep coming back to the end of the game, and you get a chance to, to close the team out uh, after taking a lead, and it just didn't happen. And a lot of that was because they couldn't tackle and they uh, didn't measure up in run defense. So uh, you can hang your hat on a lot of these numbers, but uh, I know a lot of the defensive guys in the locker room today were kicking themselves because we had a chance to win the game and didn't do it. So you're a top-10 defense in basically every category, Mark and you're 26th in run defense. And you've got Alex Collins coming at you and Baltimore's committee approach. Then you got Melvin Gordon coming at you with the Chargers. Then you got Zeke Elliott coming at you after the bye week. This I look at, and it concerns me because it's gotten so much worse. It's 50 yards more you're giving up on the ground this year than you have the previous two seasons. That's something they've got to clean up. Yeah, just like we talked earlier, guys, is... After a loss, all these things are magnified, right? Now we're looking at them even closer. And, and what was hard to watch, and, and, and the defense as a whole goes, guys, we gave up only 13 points, and we have, our offense turned the ball over three times. You know, we sh, you know, they did enough to win the game, but when you break it down, like Jim said, when the chips were on the table and when we needed to make a play, the Buffalo Bills ran right down the field. Run, run, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Short screen pass run the ball, run the ball, short screen pass, field goal. And, and that was their fourth quarter drive. Um, and that was hard to watch. It was hard to watch the Buffalo Bills, I thought, uh, move the line of scrimmage and push us back when we needed to make a stop. And here's the other thing. It's only 3.3 yard average, but what they were doing was they were running the ball on first and second down. Yep. And they were getting themselves into third and short or third and manageable. And they were somehow getting some of those third downs. And not only that, Look at this. They ran the ball 43 times. Right. I think we had 24 rushes. Yep. They held the ball for almost 34 minutes. Yeah, that's big. The 26-minute time of possession is, a, is another big stat. I'm glad you pointed that out. And so now you got the Buffalo Bills who won the turnover battle, the penalty battle, the time of possession, and they won the, and they won the last drive of the game. That's a, that's a winning recipe, and that was the blueprint the Buffalo Bills wanted to take into the game, and we played into their hands. Yeah, what's, what's interesting, though, is if you look at like analytics and stats, guys like Warren Sharp and Football Outsiders that spend their time brain jamming on this stuff, it is now not really what you should do to run a whole lot on first down. But the Bills did it pretty consistently because they don't trust their passing game and they don't have any weapons. They basically got a possession receiver in Travis Benjamin, and then they've got uh, Charles Clay, and that's basically it. And so you feel like you know you're going to get a decent dose of Shady McCoy. You're going to get a decent dose of Ivory. And I felt like LaShawn McCoy had a much bigger impact on the game than his stats would indicate. Yeah, because he kept plays alive by making guys miss. I mean, we, we discussed earlier how much this team, I think, missed Woodyard in the game. But there are opportunities for guys to make tackles uh, in some space. And McCoy, I watched the replay back again last night, and he uh, guys did, didn't size him up, didn't use good technique. Uh, he was able to put a move on him and get bombed. And 
the thing Mike Vrabel talked about in the pressure today is they've got to be a defense that if one guy makes a mistake, somebody else has got to be there to clean it up. It just didn't happen as much, and that happened on the play where the team missed four tackles, and it happened several times, uh, especially at the end. I mean, the, the, I know the big play at the, the third down play was a screen pass on the outside where a number of guys missed. I mean, that stuff has got to be cleaned up or it's going to be a problem all season. The other thing is we had seen a little bit of a pass rush these last few weeks, and I think, Mark, you were headed there next. There just was no pass rush. There was, it's not like Josh Allen was necessarily comfortable because he's a rookie quarterback and he's just not going to be particularly comfortable because a lot of people don't believe he should be in quite yet. But you certainly did not put a whole lot of pressure on him yesterday. Kmart, you're always one step ahead of me. Your expertise is, is just mind-blowing. Well, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> but, it. no, that was another very, very frustrating thing to watch. Uh, the, the talk before, you know, with Jarrell Casey was, a, was an interview that they kept replaying was, you got to hit the quarterback. you got to rattle him. He's a young player. He's a rookie. we got to get in his face. we got to make him feel uncomfortable. Well, besides a phenomenal play that Jayon Brown had, yeah. knifing his knee outside out, the pocket, yeah. out, outside the pocket, where I, I believe they gave him a sack on that. Yeah, they did. We, that was the one sack of the day. Exactly. We had no pressure on him. Now call it play calling. They mixed it up. They mixed in the run. They play actioned him. They caught, they kept us way off balance. But we did not hit Josh Allen at all, and we didn't have to. He still didn't play that well. He he only he only had a passer rating of forty two. Corey Bajorquez, the punter who was 0 for 1, was only two and a half <laughs> they, points behind. They botched that one. <laughs> but I mean, you just go, you just kind of go. Same thing we talked about at the offense. We just we took so many ste- uh, you know step after step forward, and we, we wanted to build on top of it. And even though we only gave up 13, that looks good. Even though the stats you know don't really tell the full story, I still just felt like we regressed a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, and we just didn't take the field and dominate to the way we wanted to, to the way we thought we were going to. We talked about it all last week as a trap game. We talked about the, your, your mental uh, state has to be ready. You have to be ready to take the field, smell blood in the water, and go get them. And on both sides of the ball, we just didn't do that. So that makes this Ravens game all the more important coming up this Sunday. Final segment of the show coming up. We will break down the Baltimore game. We'll talk about their questions as they looked really bad yesterday in a loss to the Cleveland Browns. Between those two teams... No touchdowns, the Titans or the Ravens. Neither one of them able to get into the end zone yesterday. That plus some other questions and plenty more to come. Monday Night Titans presented by Geico here live from Martins, 104.5 The Zone. Monday Night Titans presented by Geico, part of the Big Six right here on 104.5 The Zone. Jim Wallet, read his stuff, TitansOnline.com, the editor and senior writer there, former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani joining me as well. So we talked about the defense, and we talked a little bit about the offense, and there are questions to ask, but let's talk about Baltimore just a little bit. Just like the Titans, a lot of NFL types going into yesterday's action were pretty high on Baltimore. And then they did next to nothing against Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Alex Collins, this is an interesting situation. He was 11th in the NFL in rushing yards a season ago. Right now he's 27th with just 217 yards. John Harbaugh actually said earlier today they might be going to more of a committee approach in the backfield. Alex Collins, Jim, took 27 snaps yesterday. 12 carries for 59 yards is not a bad average, but a few of those were really big runs, which meant most of the carries were for very little yardage. He also has two fumbles this year. Buck Allen played nearly twice as many offensive snaps. 
yesterday, as did Collins. And Harbaugh actually mentioned the name Delance Turner and said he may get some playing time on Sunday as well. So just as Tennessee's offense looked bad yesterday, Flacco didn't look good. He was 51% completion percentage. Crabtree had a couple of drops. So their offense didn't look right either. This was two teams that looked like it could be meeting in a 4 on one, four and 1 and 4 and 1 clash that everybody was going to be paying attention to in the AFC. Now it's two, three, and two teams that did not look particularly good yesterday. Yeah, and two, three, and two teams that need desperately need yes. wins because uh, I know Baltimore, when they leave Tennessee, they've got New Orleans after that, at Carolina, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. They've got a rough road, kind of like the Titans do. And I watched them against Pittsburgh, and they dominated that game yeah. up at Heinz Field. They won pre- the previous week against Denver. They beat the same Buffalo team 47-3 to in week one. So I was surprised that they struggled like they did yesterday. Uh, and again, this, it turns this game into a, a huge team, huge game for both of these teams. Ravens defense, we talked about how good Tennessee's defense has been, except in the rush category. Well, the Ravens mark fifth in the NFL in yards, third in points, fifth in rushing, sixth in passing. So they're just a little bit better. I think they're fourth overall if you were to factor in all categories. So it's not going to get any easier. And we were talking during the break about hopefully being able to go to Buffalo and establish the run game. Dion played a bad game yesterday, probably the first real bad game he's played this season. Derrick Henry had a decent average, but he still just doesn't run like he looks. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think that I thought we were going to go out and try to establish this run game in Buffalo. I thought that was the one missing piece we, we were missing from the Philly game. I felt like we've been talking about it. We had all of our line, oh, <clears throat> offensive linemen back. We were going to go up there and pound the rock and get the job done, run the ball 40 times for a five-yard average and get out of there. Now we got this defense coming to town, a very veteran defense led by Eric Weddle, C.J. Mosley, uh, Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs, who was drafted in 2003. He just keeps getting younger. He's been in the league for 15 Crazy. years. He is coming off that edge. He's, gonna, he's terrorizing people. Uh, but now you've got to try to do the same thing. You have to run the football. And what's, what's, what's interesting to see, all those things you said, um, Jay Mart, three and two, need a win, all that stuff. Well, they have a veteran quarterback with an OC that's been together for a while. They have veteran players at the defensive positions that can lead their team through something like this. We need to find those leaders. You know, here's the good news, guys. It's week five. A lot of football left to be played. We put this team uh, pretty high on a pedestal the last three weeks, and we got our expectations kind of shattered a little bit by this Buffalo game. But... The end is nowhere near. Oh, no. It's not doomsday, uh, but you have a huge challenge in front of you, and you really got to find out who your leaders in the locker room are right now. You gotta have to, you're going to have to pick up the pieces. you got to make corrections during the loss. you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, how can I get better as an individual, as a, person, as, as a guy that went out and played in this game? You have to look yourself in the mirror and go, how can I get better? Because, it, yeah, the task doesn't get any easier. This is a good Ravens football team. They, they had trouble in Cleveland, but just like you said, Jim, they went out and whooped up on some people this year and looked pretty darn good. So it's going to be a tough battle on Sunday. Yeah, you know, the recipe, if you look at the wins and the losses for those two teams, the Ravens and the Titans, I don't think it was about the plays that were not made yesterday. It was about the mistakes that were made yesterday. And the one that has the cleaner ledger on Sunday in Nashville is going to win that football game. Yeah, and certainly for Titans fans, I mean, it, it, you know, for me, they, they kind of – dates back to the beginning of this rivalry. Even though the Ravens aren't on the schedule like they used to be, 
you know, back in the day of the of the slugfest in, in the early 2000s, it's still a special game in the minds of a lot of Titans fans. And Ravens still saying the playing the same brand of physical football that, that, that certainly the Titans want to play. So uh, two teams coming off of, of bad losses, uh, you know, set for a showdown on Sunday. I mean, it sh- should be a really good game. Definitely should be a good atmosphere, and it's going to be two teams that are out there to be hungry, too, because they know the AFC is wide open. Actually, NFL, that's, you know, that's a good question. You look at the Rams and the Chiefs, and then who else do you trust? You got a lot of, eh, they might be good, and then the, no, they are not good. Almost every team has some glaring holes where they've got a new coach, where they've got question marks in key spots. Philly doesn't look right. Minnesota's inconsistent. Jacksonville's quarterback situation's a problem, and Fournette looks like he's going to be bothered by a hamstring his entire career. Seattle doesn't have enough weapons. Maybe Chicago's good enough if Trubisky plays well. Cleveland's not terrible, but they're still Cleveland right now. The Bengals are a one-loss team. Andy Dalton's playing well under a new coordinator but not sure there. Same with the Ravens. The Steelers could be okay, but the defense is no good. The Saints are playing tonight. They're probably pretty good, but their defense isn't that great. And then there's New England, who appears to be just fine. This league is just wide open outside of the very top. And the Rams almost got beat yesterday as well. Yeah, and it's early. I think teams will start to make themselves known here as the season goes on. I've been impressed with Kansas City, certainly. Uh, you know what they've been able to do this year, and, and the Rams high flying kind of reminds you of the greatest show on turf days. So, uh, but but I think I think you'll start to see some other teams. I expect the Eagles to kind of correct some of their woes as we go on too. Well, how about this? Maybe this happening this early in the season. Maybe the, us going up there to Buffalo gives the coaches an opportunity to go. Hey, listen, guys, we're not that good. We have to we have to work every day. Every day we step in this building, we have to go to work. Every day we have to get better. It's going to be a week-to-week battle for this team. They're not good enough to go just blow somebody's doors off. The same Baltimore Ravens won 47-3 against the Buffalo Bills. So we're not to that place yet, but it happened in week five. There's a lot of season to last. I'm looking at the standings right now. They have us fourth in the AFC. A lot of season left, and maybe this happened at a great time because the Tennessee Titans will have to go every week. We're going to be home underdogs again. We're going to have to go every week and go get the job done. Our, our mentally, we have to be ready. We can't, we can't take a week off, and maybe it's a good time to get that message no, across. I, I agree. I think that's a good message. This is an ice cube, check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of moment for the Tennessee Titans. The one thing that irritated me was the talk about it being a trap game last week. You're the Tennessee Titans. You haven't won anything of note in a while. You shouldn't have trap game used about you in any way. This isn't college football where Georgia sleepwalks and beats Tennessee or something like that. That's not how it works in the NFL. If you don't show up, you're going to get beat. So maybe you're right, and I hope that you are. You just don't worry about the hype and don't worry about all that. Just get to work. Know that you have talent in that building. Execute on Sundays and win football games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you'd like to think that the, the game against Miami would serve as kind of a, a little bit of a, a yeah. wake-up call. And Miami has turned out to be better than I think some people expected. But, uh, you know, how many times do you need those? I mean, we had some of these last year that a lot of the guys on the team certainly remember. So you've got to get to a point where those things are not an issue for you. You know, losing some of these games that, uh, that we've seen around here in the past. And the Titans will get there. I, mean, I, I firmly believe this team is on the way up. Mike Vrabel's still in the process of ch- trying to change the culture, trying to rid themselves. There's no panic in his voice today, not pointing any fingers. 
uh, and, and I think he'll get it right. Yeah, you know, so do I. I still believe in the coaching staff, and I think that you're going to have weeks like this in the NFL. You lost a game you should have won. Everybody in that Titans locker room knows they should have won that game, and they can all probably point to themselves and come up with a reason why they could have done something better out there that would have helped that football team win that game. They lost by one. Now they've got Baltimore coming to town. That is going to be one raucous, one physical, probably one chippy football game if history is any guide. And both those two teams desperately need a win in a crazy, crazy AFC. Always fun to be out here at Martin's Barbecue. We'll do it again a week from today. Come on out and see us for Mark Mariani, for Jim Wyatt. Read his stuff at TitansOnline.com. I am Jason Martin. Coming up next, Big Orange Hotline right here on 104.5 The Zone. Good night. 104.5 The Zone.